Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. Today, we have a new guest. Her name is Elise Gabot, also known as The Skinny on Fitness on Instagram. Welcome. Hi, Nicole. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you on today. And just a side note for our audience, I am a little congested today, so my voice is going to sound just a little bit off from what it normally does. But I'm excited to bring Elise on. Um, We've hung out, I think, just once when I lived in Ohio, but a lot of her content is similar to my messaging on balance, having a good relationship with food and your body. And um, I just love the messaging that you have. And I think a lot of my audience can, you know, benefit greatly from what you have to say. So Elise, tell us a little bit more about you and what got you into fitness. Yeah. um, And I totally agree. I think your content really aligns with, you know, how I approach um, fitness and nutrition with myself and my clients. So I just appreciate you having me on. Um, So I got into nutrition um, when I transferred from studying culinary arts to studying nutrition in college. Um, It was just something that really sparked my interest. I didn't love working in the kitchen and I wanted, uh, you know, to learn more about how you can eat to achieve certain performance goals. And at the time I was training for a marathon, was planning to run it on my 21st birthday. And I did, it was an incredible experience. I no longer um, do endurance training like that, but it was a really awesome introduction into um, fitness and nutrition. So I started dating my then boyfriend, now husband at the time, and he was always big into bodybuilding And I remember I went to the gym with him one day and we did a back and bicep workout. And I was like, I cannot believe people do this for fun. Like this is, you know, it could be monotonous and it just wasn't my cup of tea at the time, but he wrote me a workout program and little by little, I started working out at home. And then I transitioned to a gym setting, which was just a very intimidating experience for me. Uh, So I would only go with like him or my brother. And then eventually I kind of, you know, felt comfortable being a little bit more independent and was able to structure my own workouts and just really took a liking to weightlifting, which I never thought I would get there, but I did and absolutely fell in love with it. And just the lessons it taught me, um, you know, seeing my pretty slender physique growing up with more muscle on, it was really, um, exciting to me and, um, I love the challenge. So it's just kind of been my thing ever since. Yeah, I think going to the gym for the first time can be really intimidating. The first time I went into a traditional gym, I was young. I was like 14 and my gymnastics coach wanted to go with me because I just didn't have a whole lot of muscle. And my gymnastics coach was actually an IFBB fitness pro, Mm -hmm. like top level competing at the Arnold at the Olympia. I didn't know this when I was that age because I wasn't really understanding bodybuilding. That workout was so painful she kicked my butt. She was very intense. And I remember thinking, why would anyone want to do this? This is horrible. And like, I think part of our workout too, was like doing 
we would run and then we would do a set of lunges and we'd run and we do a set of lunges. And like, even to this day, that sounds God awful, but <laughs> it's just like, I think a lot of people, they go to the gym, it's painful, it's hard. And then they, they don't want to do it again. And it's uncomfortable because you feel like everyone's looking at you. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard those first, you know, few months to learn proper form, really connect to the muscle and the movement. And it's just such an adjustment. And I look back at like videos I took of myself when I first started and I was just kind of like flinging weights around, like not really working through the movement in the correct way. And it's just incredible to see the progress. So, you know, I totally get the intimidation factor and just feeling out of place and uncomfortable, but it does, it does take some time. I think when you let go of that idea of like, I have to be good at this right away and I have to be perfect, it's going to help you out a lot. I look back at my videos too, and I'm like, what the heck was that? Like I was teaching people how to do an RDL when my RDL looks disgusting. So it's like, (laughs) you're going to learn throughout the years. And like, that's why I try not to even judge people at all, like at the gym, because you don't know if it's their first day ever there. And so no one's going to be perfect right off the bat. And people are smart. They'll learn it like by themselves. They'll be able to figure out like, okay, like that obviously didn't feel good. I'm not going to do that again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing too, is like, I might glance at people at the gym, but I'm not sitting there dissecting what they're doing, why they're doing it. I really learned to just kind of put my blinders on and do my own workout and not pay attention to other people. And I think when you're new, you have this feeling like, oh my gosh, everyone's watching me and they're laughing at me and they're questioning why I'm doing what I'm doing. And just coming from someone who's been in the gym now for close to six years, I can tell you, like, I might look at you, but I am not sitting there dissecting what you're doing. Yeah. I like, don't really care what people do. Um, as long as you're not annoying anyone or hurting anyone else, I could care less. I look at the gym a lot. Like how I look at hospitals. Like if you were to walk into the hospital sick, what, what would the people around you be doing? Would they be laughing at you? Be like, ha this person like has the flu. This is hilarious. Like, yeah, no, so I'm true. Sure, like if you're overweight going into the gym, people around you aren't going to be like, oh my gosh, look at this person. They're overweight. Like whatever, wherever your brain goes. No, most people at the gym, 99% of people at the gym are going to be like, wow, I'm proud of that person for working out and being here. And in the gym, you are all there for one thing. You already have one thing in common, which is I think special in comparison to just being in general, like public places. Like you're already sharing one thing you like to do and that's working out. Yeah, exactly. So one thing I want to talk about is you've went from being kind of on the thinner side to gaining more muscle. And you mentioned your husband is into bodybuilding. So would you say that that was maybe like a catalyst for you wanting to cut like kind of more extreme, like a bodybuilder? Yeah, I I think also when I got into like bodybuilding type workouts and discovered um, macro tracking and all that was really at a time when like YouTube was super popular and there were like certain fitness girls on Instagram that were like all competing and doing IIFYM and I knew for myself, I didn't necessarily want to go the competing route. I've always kind of 
struggled and been on the edge with like binge eating and um, restriction. And for me, that just kind of seemed like a bad idea. But even then, you know, I couldn't convince myself to not do a more serious cut just to kind of see, you know, what I could achieve with it. And so, yeah, that's, that was kind of the driving factor is just seeing other people, you know, compete or other people get super lean. And I was like, Hmm, I wonder what, you know, what it would look like for me. Would you say it was like a prep without the show day? Yes. I think there were certain times where I really spiraled with overeating and binge eating. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I don't know how popular that is with competitors. Um, but for me, that was something towards the end that I really struggled with, but I did try to have that mentality of like, you know, show up and do your cardio, show up and do your workout, even when you don't feel like it, like was try to be super strict with myself. Um, and in hindsight, I don't think I would ever do another cut like that for myself again. Yeah. I think a lot of competitors struggle with food and they don't talk about it. I mean, I've definitely had my struggles with food during preps before. Like I'm at a place now where I wouldn't say I struggle too much with food at all, but it took a lot. And like in a competition prep, when you are being so rigid and so strict, and then you're combining that with getting lean and then having your hunger hormone be high and not having like any satiety, it's hard to feel normal. And it can be easy to kind of fall down that tunnel of like bouts of overeating or binge eating, or like, I'm sure you've even seen like post-show rebounds. And so I do get people who have come to me and they're like, can I just do a competition prep without the show day? And I'm like, that is very dangerous because what you see on Instagram, sure. These girls look great. They got their tan on, they got their their glowy skin from that oil and stuff, their hair and makeup, they look beautiful. And you think, I want to do that. Who wouldn't? They look bomb. But there's so much sacrifice involved. And so if we take the context out of bodybuilding, it's just like any other sport. Just because I see an Olympic level swimmer doesn't mean that I need to do that. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Their job is to make it look easy. And so if you're looking at the Arnold and the Olympia, it is their job to make this look easy, but I promise you there's a lot more involved and it's a lot harder than what you think. And if we can just start talking more about how achieving extremely low levels of body fat for women is incredibly hard and takes a lot of strength, not just physically, but mentally as well. I think it's going to help kind of clear out how many people want to do that. And my goal isn't to kill bodybuilding by any means. I just want people to go into the sport aware of all the risk involved because of any choice, you know, that there's going to be risks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's huge. And I definitely take such a much more balanced approach with things now, a much more sustainable approach with things now. Um, and I, I think the biggest thing for me was just, you start off and you feel great. You know, you're seeing progress and you're like, you know, this isn't so bad. And then it's like, I have to get leaner. I have to eat less. I have to do more cardio. And it really mentally can affect you. And I just would come home from work and I would be so hungry and I'd be cooking dinner, but I would like raid my pantry. And then before I know it, I would not even want dinner because I just ate half a jar of peanut butter and a sleeve of graham crackers and yeah. just anything I could get my hands on because I was just so hungry. I was getting leaner. My body fat percentage was decreasing. I was doing more cardio and 
you know, you're just in this cycle where it's like, you know, the binge and restrict. And then the next day I'd try to go back to it. And it, it was just, it was just very mentally taxing. Yeah. And some people I think too, can also struggle with like the mindset of I'm on a diet all the time. And so they're like, I'm on a diet, I'm on a diet. I have to be good. I have to be structured. And then it's like, when they get into like the cookies and then it just like, it doesn't stop because then it's like, I'm on, and then it's like, I'm off. And then it's like a complete switch. And then that's where the overeating and binge eating could happen. Would you say that when that was happening more, that was like a wake up call that something needs to change? Oh, absolutely. I, at one point was Googling like binge eaters anonymous, like thinking of going to a meeting, thinking of going to um, a therapist, uh, you know, like it was at a point where if you were to look at me and see me in public, you'd be like, wow, she's thin. Um, she's, you know, we were fairly very muscular. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you'd be like, wow, she looks great. Like, you know, what does she do? And on the inside, it just goes to show someone can like really be suffering through what they're, you know, going through. And I really was. And uh, so it was just a very low point for me. And I just really had to, to make the switch. And it was a slow go to, you know, convince myself mentally that like, okay, we're drawing the line. Like this is it. Um, because I think depending on certain personality types, you're like, no, I need to do more. I need to keep going. I haven't reached, you know, where I see myself and where I saw myself was comparing myself to other people on Instagram. So it's just a very unhealthy cycle. So I definitely knew something needed to, needed to change. Did you ever take like a social media break and or change the content you're surrounding yourself with during that time? Absolutely. And that was huge for me. I unfollowed anyone who was super lean year round. I unfollowed anyone who um, was like prepping for a show and was posting like really diety and, um, Body you know, extreme, yes, extreme fitness type stuff. Um, so that was big for me. And I did start to follow more pages that um, promoted, you know, eating to fullness, living life at maintenance, um, you know, even taking an intuitive eating approach. So, you know, changing what I surrounded myself with was a huge part of, um, you know, moving forward past that cut. What would you define like as a balanced approach for you now? Yeah, absolutely. I think dieting very rarely, or, you know, just like, once in a while, um, is big. I think the majority of time I'm either eating at maintenance or just not tracking at all and eating intuitively. Um, and taking time to just focus on living life without thinking about when my next meal is, when my next snack is and being so food focused. I love food, but there comes a point where it's, consuming you and it's just not healthy. So for me, I think taking a step away from the macro tracking app and just going by what I feel my body needs, um, taking with me the knowledge that I learn while tracking macros, um, prioritizing protein, um, and then setting goals outside of, you know, the way that I look. So setting goals in the gym, strength-based, um, you know, progress that way versus getting to a certain number on the scale or certain body fat percentage. Yeah. I mean, I've seen lots of coaches where I feel like they cap it at just macro tracking and then there's no like, okay, how do I have more flexibility than just that? And like, even for myself, I mean, 
I love macros, but if I'm not getting ready for a show and I'm in a good place metabolically, I'm not going to track macros every single day because it's just not needed. And usually even on my untracked days, I'm probably eating roughly where my macro targets are, if not a little bit less, just because for me right now, they're really high, but it's important to be able to be intuitive in like a maintenance period, because if you're not able to take a break from macro tracking, that's also a problem. Like, I feel like you need to have a healthy relationship with a tracking app. And I've seen people who get burnt out or they say, I don't mind tracking, so I can just input it. That's not the whole point. Like, I don't care if you don't mind tracking, you need to learn how to not do it and be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, A big thing for me was actually deleting the app off my phone and just like putting my food scale away and just learning to feed my body based on what I felt I needed to get through the day in the most energized, satiated way. And I think a lot of people, when they hear intuitive eating or they hear, you know, let's take a break from macro tracking, they think, oh, free for all, I'm going to gain a bunch of weight. And that's just not the case. I mean, think about it. If you are tracking macros, you're understanding, you know, some basics about nutrition for sure. You know that you're, you know, prioritizing protein, your carbs are to be centered around, um, you know, when you're working out for the most energy and the best performance and, you know, healthy fats for hormone health. Like, you know, these things and all of that knowledge just doesn't go out the window when you decide to take away an app off your phone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can still keep those things in the back of your head and build your plate around those points without having to open up your app and put it in. Yeah. All of these devices are just tools. They're not crutches. Like even like the fitness watches, like people will be like, Oh, I didn't have my fitness watch. It didn't count towards like a workout. Cause it didn't show me how many calories I burned. It's like, Oh my God. Like if I don't have headphones, if I didn't have my phone, if I didn't have my activity watch, I would still be doing the same things I'm doing now. So yeah. these are just your body still knows what you're doing without, um, you know, getting a heart rate from your watch, you know, it's yeah. Still and that counts. goes into like, it's just about habits too. It's not just about following certain numbers. And that's the thing with macro protocols is it's not the gospel. There's so exactly. many different macro protocols that could work for you. I'm sure that Elise, if Elise and I worked with the same person, our macro protocols might look a little bit different. And that's mm-hmm. not to say that Elise is wrong. And that's not to say that I'm wrong. It's just that different sets of protocols can still work for you. And I think that's a hard thing too, is people want to find like the magic protocol. And then they don't realize that the protocol <laughs> is also constantly changing if you're in a reverse and if you're in a fat loss phase. The only time where your protocol is going to stay about the same is at a maintenance phase. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many different approaches. And I think that was a big thing for me when I first started. I was like, wait, what's the ratio I should be doing? What's the perfect ratio for me? And I would see these, yes, I would see these things on bodybuilding.com that was like, if you want to gain muscle and lose fat, do this ratio. If you want to uh, maintain, do this ratio. And it was just like, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. Everyone's going to have a sweet spot where they're going to start to see progress. Um, It just has to be what you can do at the end of the day. You know, if your numbers are so low and you're suffering through it, is that worth it to you? Is that really what you 
how you want to live your life. Um, Mm -hmm. for me, that's never been the case after my last cut. So I always try to just not focus so much on the numbers and the percentages and get too wrapped up in that. And I, for myself and for my clients, like you're saying, just try to talk more about how can we build habits? How can we stack habits so that at the end of the day, when our time together is done, you can fly solo and you can keep those healthy habits and keep making progress. Yeah. You can only like suffer for so long too. Like eventually you're going to hit like a breaking point. Might not happen this year. Might not happen five years from now. But then I got a lot of women in their forties that are like, I've been running this race for a long time and I'm still not at my goal. And I'm eating 1200 calories a day and doing all this cardio and taking all these like supplements and nothing is changing. And it's like, that's the problem. You've been chasing this unrealistic goal and you've never not been on a diet. And now you're reaching like you're burnt out because it it might take a, a bit longer for you. And so I recommend for ladies out there, like if you're feeling those burnout signs now, don't wait, don't wait another two months, a year or whatever, give it maybe a week or two, because sometimes we have off weeks, but if that continues on where you have bad biofeedback and you are hating this process, you don't have to diet. Nobody's forcing you to do this. No. And it it can get worse. It can keep getting worse. Um, And excuse me. Um, it it can really just keep spiraling and you'll just get, find yourself in this cycle where you just, it it gets harder and harder to break out of. So, you know, dieting is a choice. It should be done, um, infrequently and it should be a get in and get out mentality. It should not be a, I'm just gonna be trying to watch what I eat and do all this cardio all the time. It's not a livable, livable space to be in. So Elise, you are a new mom and I kind of want to talk about how pregnancy was and, you know, still staying healthy throughout that whole process and how you've been able to manage some of your fitness goals while being a new mom now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I had my daughter Indy, uh, December of 2021 and I found out I was pregnant actually about this time last year and you know, it's one of those things that's funny. I laugh because it's like, yeah, I, you know, had the intent to get pregnant, but when you actually find out you are pregnant, you're like, Oh, this just got real. Um, and I get a lot of DMS from women now who are like, what do I do if I don't feel like eating healthy during pregnancy or I don't have an appetite? Like I'm, I'm worried about losing progress or I don't want to gain too much weight too quick. And I think, unfortunately, like it makes me very sad to get those messages because if that's how you're approaching pregnancy, I think priorities probably need to change. And I knew for myself that, you know, whatever weight that I was going to gain was going to be because that's what my body and my baby needed. And yeah, there were times where it's tough to look in the mirror and see your body changing. If you're, especially if you're someone who um, does put you know, a focus on your, your health and your physique and your fitness level. Um, so it, it's not to say that it's not tough and you don't have those feelings from time to time, but during pregnancy, I really just tried to make moving my body and eating as many nutrient dense foods as I could, um, you know, my two main goals and moving my body. I didn't always lift weights. 
Um, you know, I was maybe lifting weights three to four times a week. Um, and I just walked a lot, you know, I just tried to keep moving and there was definitely, you know, weeks in my pregnancy where, you know, protein was not made a priority and that's because I couldn't stomach it or just wasn't something that was appealing to me. Um, but I did eat, you know, a lot of fruit because that's what I loved. I'd make huge bowls of fruit and eat that like as a snack or for breakfast. And I mean, I definitely likely lost some muscle and lost strength. But um, for me, just feeling my best every day was a priority and getting down what I could food wise. So I try to tell women not to beat themselves up too much during pregnancy. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is just managing symptoms. Um, when I work with pregnant women, I usually give them like two sets of macros too on like days. I feel nauseous days. I feel mm -hmm. good. And that's going to change. Like you might start the day off and feel good. And then it just takes a downward turn and you end up feeling sick. And so I think it's nice to have more of an intuitive approach and let them choose like based on how they're feeling. I've also noticed with my clients who stick with me through their pregnancy that their labor process almost always seems to be easier. Now, I know that that's not always the case for everyone, but I've had these women have their babies in 15 minutes and it like blows my mind. I'm like, I don't feel like that's normal, but I have heard that there's been a connection between staying active during pregnancy, making the labor process easier. Yeah, and I've heard that too. And I had the highest expectations for myself with that, but unfortunately that wasn't the case for me. I had a very long labor. I was induced and, um, you know, that wasn't necessarily the long part, but I did push actively for four hours. And what I can tell you is that I was, had never been more grateful for my fitness level <laughs> during those four hours, because it's a lot of like crunching up and squeezing and resistance and, it was, um, I tell my husband this all the time, like the hardest workout of my life. And so I'm very grateful for uh, my fitness level. It helped me during that time. Um, but yeah, unfortunately I had kind of a long, tough labor, but for the women out there who have short ones, you are very you. lucky <laughs> and that's wonderful. <laughs> I think it can be challenging too, because if you do the epidural, then you're not as connected to those muscles. So like if you haven't been lifting and someone says you need to push or you need to use this part of your body, then they could be like, I, I don't know how to use that because like that neurological connection is not as strong. And so that can be a challenge. So if you're thinking about, I mean, not all women go into pregnancy saying I want an epidural. And then sometimes they're like, no, okay, I changed my mind. Just try to try to think about that too. If your fitness goals of like still staying connected to your core, I like doing stomach vacuums for my, my pregnant clients so they can keep in touch with that transverse, um, abdominis. So they don't lose that connection because obviously baby's just kind of stretching it out the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to lose any sort of, um, core connection that you can't have. Yeah, I did have an epidural, but something that I did before I was, um, in labor and during my pregnancy was I saw a pelvic floor therapist. Um, and she was just incredible. If you're in Ohio, her name is, um, Susan Facemir. I don't know if I'm saying her last name correctly, but she's Ohio women's health PT. Um, and she actually taught me how to breathe correctly. And it's funny because when I had my first appointment with her, she was like, okay, take a deep breath. And I was totally breathing just through my okay. chest. 
And she told me how to really use my pelvic floor and my core muscles to breathe um, and connect to my diaphragm. And um, so that was just something super helpful for me. Yeah. And a lot of women, unfortunately, I think normalize like peeing yourself all the time after labor. And it's like, that's a problem. Like these are problems they need to be addressed and fixed. And I do encourage my clients to work with a pelvic floor specialist, um, especially post postpartum, because who wants that for the rest of their life? Like who wants to have accidents all the time? It's not something you should have to live with. No. And, you know, talking about fitness postpartum, I see a lot of women on social media, you know, four to six weeks postpartum, and they're just like jumping right back into their routine. And it's sad and scary to me that we feel like we can't take adequate time for our bodies to heal. And even though we feel like, oh, wow, you know, I feel great. I can get back into it. it. Like I can probably tell you nine times out of 10, that's just not the case. I know even for myself, like even six to eight weeks postpartum, I barely touched weights. I really just tried to focus on reconnecting to certain movements, hip hinge movements, um, you know, my breath work, uh, core work before I even, you know, picked up a weight and jumped back into weightlifting because I just wasn't there yet. I felt a lot of like heaviness in my, um, pelvic floor. Um, you know, I just tried to listen to my body and, and listen to Susan's guidance. There's so much changing to postpartum. You are in a way losing the identity of who you were with your husband, because now you're not just, um, what's your husband's name, by the way, Joe, Joe, you're not just Joe's wife. You're now the mother to his child. So now you're a mom, wife, and if you have dogs, which you do, right? I do. Yeah. But then you're also a dog mom. So it's like, you have all these different identities now and you're trying to figure out how does mom work into all of this and how can I manage everything else? And then, you know, postpartum depression, another thing women don't talk about, and that can even happen months and months after you have the baby because of all the hormone fluctuations. If you're breastfeeding, you have to adjust to this new schedule. And it's so interesting to me because a lot of people think that you'll only do it a little bit like normal, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm like, babies don't work like that. You're going to be on the go all the time. And so there's so much changing that the last thing I really care about as a coach is, are you working out? I'm more so like, are you taking care of yourself, trying to get sleep when you can, going to the bathroom and eating enough because milk supply is important. Your health is important. And that's what we have to focus in on. And we don't have to focus on fat loss right now. Fat loss is always going to be there. And four weeks after you have a baby, you literally just change the rest of your life. It's, you don't have to do it then. It is such an adjustment. And I know everyone, you know, adjusts at varying degrees. For me, the first four to six weeks, I had some really low points and just times where I would just cry. Like, it's just very difficult to have your life change so much. And you are sitting there with this little baby who's so dependent on you for every single thing. And while sure it's the most incredible job and the most incredible honor, and you're super grateful at the end of the day, you're kind of mourning the loss of your life, you know, pre-baby, even if you tried so hard to mentally prepare yourself for it during pregnancy, you, you don't really understand the effect it has on you until you are postpartum. 
And like you said, you know, the list of things that you're dealing with just seems to go on forever when you're, you know, so newly postpartum. I don't think it helps like women either, like just telling them like if they're having bad body image during pregnancy, like, oh, but it's a miracle. Or like after you have a baby, they're like, oh, but it's such a blessing. And it's like, okay, but like, I don't feel good right now. And I'm allowed to not feel good. Totally. I have come to loathe comments like that. I've come to loathe comments like that and comments like, oh, just wait till you have another one. Then you'll see how really busy you are. Or, oh, just wait. Um, You won't be sleeping at all. Or just comments like that really are not uplifting. They're not positive. And while that might be the case for some people, everyone's experience is going to be different. Same with comments about labor and delivery. Everyone's labor and delivery is going to be different. I try when I'm talking to women who are pregnant to be very careful um, with talking about my own experience. And I almost always give the disclaimer, my labor is not going to be your labor and vice versa. Everyone's birthing experience is so different at the end of the day. Yes, you have a baby in your arms, but how that baby enters the world is going to be vastly different for everyone. I think that a lot of pregnant women too just get so much unsolicited advice and some of it is quite honestly disgusting. I've had even women who have had family members say, if you continue to work out, you're going to have a miscarriage. And that is just so disgusting to say like, it's your fault if something like that were to happen because the rate of miscarriage is actually really high. Just women don't talk about it. And so as long as you have clearance from your doctor and you're not a high-risk pregnancy, you should be fine. Yeah. And when I was pregnant, I basically did what I was doing pre-pregnancy. I just lowered the intensity. There were days where I had to adjust the position that I was in or modify certain exercises, but you know, I just tried to lead with, you know, what my body was telling me and still maintain what I was doing just at a lower intensity. It's totally possible. And like you said, it is disgusting that people make those comments. Um, and it's, it's really unfortunate. And I think, you know, sharing my journey during pregnancy, I really tried to, you know, show that you can have a healthy pregnancy and still lift weights. Yeah. And just normalize it more. And mm-hmm. I hope that there is a time where I can see a pregnant woman deadlifting and someone not leave a comment saying something horrible like that. And just saying like, wow, good for you that you're still able to train. And that's inspirational. Yeah, it is like the gym is literally for all shapes and sizes. And if you're pregnant or not. (laughs) Exactly. And something um, like my doctor told me was like, you're not a China doll. You're not just going to like combust and break because you're carrying a baby now, you know, your body is strong and it is made to carry a baby and for you to continue on with daily life and daily activities so yeah or like the whole like you can't lift over 10 pounds it's like what if you had a toddler (laughs) exactly carrying groceries into the house I mean so many things we do during the day require us to lift weight (laughs) yeah exactly so where would you say you are at now with your fitness journey like just trying to like balance everything out yeah it's difficult being um, a new mom and you know finding that routine for yourself I always tried to go by how I felt with whether or not it was going to work out during the day. So if I just had a night where I wasn't getting much sleep, then, you know, I would do something lighter, let's just like walk on my treadmill. Um, Now I'm at a point though, I'm almost four and a half months postpartum. And um, for the past 
six weeks, I've been in just a slight calorie deficit and I've definitely been very flexible with it. There's been days where, you know, I start the day tracking and then the day gets derailed and I don't finish the day tracking. And in the past, something like that would have really just grinded my gears. I would have been very mad at myself and felt very guilty, but now I just accept it and I move on. And every day is a fresh start. I don't use that as an excuse or a crutch to go off the rails necessarily, but I do give myself that grace to say, okay, yesterday maybe didn't go as planned. And maybe you were able only to get a 20 minute workout in versus a 40 minute workout but you should be proud of yourself for doing what you did. And maybe today is going to be a better day where you can get that 40 minute workout in Yeah, and track all your meals. That's really important too, instead of just beating yourself up, because then if you do that, you're going to create that vicious cycle. Yeah, absolutely. So just being flexible with myself and understanding, yeah, well, I'd love to have this routine that's set in stone and, you know, be able to carve out 60 minutes, 90 minutes, you know, for my workouts and do cardio. Um, I have had to be really realistic with myself, realistic with my expectations based on where I'm at and, you know, committing to four days in the gym. And if I can get outside for a walk and meet, you know, seven to eight K steps a day, then that's excellent for me. And that, you know, meeting my protein goal and maybe, you know, my carbs and fats are a little wonky, then you know what, like, it's still a great day for me because I moved my body and I tried to feed myself nutritiously. Which I I really, really like, it's just about health right now. It's not about anything extreme. And plus Mm -hmm. you're making progress on this cut, which is great. And I like that you're giving yourself grace. It's kind of like an intuitive cut in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. Very different from my last, very different from my last deficit. (laughs) What is um, one thing that you're excited for, for the future? I am so excited and it's silly because, you know, even now, like I will put my daughter's little bouncy seat in front of me while I'm doing workouts at home. And she just kind of like looks up at me and like laughs at what I'm doing or smiles at me. And I'm just excited for her to like be with me while I'm working out and like change the narrative for her specifically. And, you know, young girls in general that, It's not about, you know, being a certain shape, being a certain size, being a certain number on the scale. It's really about fueling yourself, you know, having goals outside of what you look like um, and, you know, just doing your best to show up and commit to something and try to be the strongest version of you, not the smallest version. Yeah. I love that. Be excited. Yeah. I mean, for me as a kid, I never had my parents do that, but I feel like if I did, I would have loved that so much. And like, it would have been so much easier to just be like, Hey mom, like, how do I do this? Or how do I do that? Versus like not having any help at all with like fitness, which is like such an important part in our lives. Yeah. And I was talking to someone on Instagram the other day and we were just kind of talking about, you know, what the narrative was in our house growing up. And for me personally, my mom was an excellent role model in that she never dieted. And if she was on a diet, I never knew it. She didn't look in the mirror and say, God, I'm so fat. Um, I need to lose 10 pounds. That was never something I heard my mom say. And, you know, I didn't learn to appreciate that until I was older, but, you know, as a kid, we look at our moms and even our dads and we think, wow, they're so, so great. They're so awesome. How they are like, I just, and to hear them talk about themselves that way must be really heartbreaking for a kid. So yeah, it's just something that I'm going to be super mindful of with my daughter for sure. Yeah. They're like little sponges. They are going to absorb so much. And just talking about how food is fuel and your body is beautiful. And 
is going to help so much, especially for a young, a young girl. Cause like, you know, social media and all that's constantly changing. So it's going to be, yeah, it's Mm going to be challenging, but as long as you are being a strong role model, that's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. So Elise, where can people find you? I am on Instagram at the skinny on fitness and I try to post, um, a little bit of everything. So I hope you'll, you'll find me there. All right, guys, I'm going to have all of her information down below if you're wanting to check out Elise and thank you again for hopping on today. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome to chat with you. Hey guys, on the Beyond the Bikini podcast, you know, I talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be hard to hit the gym consistently, track your macros to a T and feel like you're making progress. So rather you're a newbie in the gym or someone who's been hitting the gym consistently but possibly hit a plateau, then I recommend you check out my one-on-one coaching. No, I do not only coach prep clients, but I coach lifestyle clients as well. I would love to hear more about your goals, so feel free to apply for my one-on-one coaching down below at the link. There we can discuss what you're wanting to accomplish in the gym with your relationship with food and how I can help you reach your goals.